0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the m M&M hockey podcast as always i'm your host alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host chase mccallum and today we are previewing the deadline with a bunch of signings that have already started unfortunately i say unfortunately for most of these because that means stuff that uh, trades that will not happen and uh, uh i feel like i'm pretty negative on a lot of these signings i'm not gonna lie so maybe that'll be entertaining for other people but uh Let's just hop right into the news. Uh, let's go with on the older ones, which we, we didn't get to record last week. Um, which ended up being okay to be honest because we, we got more stuff. Uh, I won't include the Kyle Clifford one here. If we have time at the end, we can talk about it. It's not really a much of a signing, it's literally league minimum. Um, that I'm assuming he will just get waived and go back and forth. The first big one, though, uh, comes in one of the more predictable contracts i was I, I think you might say and that's rasmus ristelainen signing a 5 year 25.5 million dollar deal with the philadelphia flyers uh obviously i say this is most predictable because uh nhl teams don't understand what sunk cost fallacy is and they traded a first round pick for him this offseason and it didn't matter how bad he was going to play this year you knew they weren't that same gm was not going to risk his job by then retrading him, even though this season's been a disaster. So instead, they make it worse, double down on the contract. He uh, doesn't get a pay raise. He's at 5.4 right now. But uh, this is probably about $4 million too much for him and four years too long.
1: Yeah, pretty much. This was, like you said, <laughs> like everybody knew this was going to happen. And it's just glorious that it did.
0: He's like... He's been even worse than I thought he might be this year, too.
1: Yeah, and it'd be one thing if, like, the team had been good and at least they were seeing, like, false signal and then always be like, oh, like, our goals against went down, like, 20% or something because of Rasmus Ristolainen and now we're a 100-point team in the Metro or whatever. But, like, the team's dog. Like, there's literally not – I don't even know how you could talk yourself into this at this point.
0: This is the most obvious candidate I've ever seen of GM made a big trade in the off season. And Chuck Fletcher knows that if he doubles, if he reverses and sells it, it's going to look bad on him and he doesn't want it to look bad. So instead he's kicking the can down the road two years because how this always seems to go is he go, Oh, you got to give it time. And then when that quote unquote time happens, he still sucks. You just go, well, how could we ever see this coming?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, everybody knew what, uh, Rasmus Stalinum was. Or yeah. everybody thought he was good or whatever. Meanwhile, everyone smart news has known exactly who he is for a while. Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyone who's been paying even a little bit of attention knows that that uh that wasn't the case. So yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like I I don't have a ton to say on this other than like it's hilariously bad, and this just automatically becomes one of the worst contracts in the NHL because he is literally
1: so bad yep and yeah like just a loss for words he's i don't know what he does well either no because it's not like he puts up he hasn't
0: even put up counting stats this year either
1: yeah because at least when he was putting up like 40 points on those old buffalo power plays you could be like well the most of the eye test is just looking at points Uh, So I could see how people eye test their way to that, but now I have no idea.
0: He's got 15 points in 52 games, so he's on pace for like 24, 26
1: maybe? $5 million well spent.
0: Yeah, and considering he can't
1: play a lick of defense. Yeah, he's a truly atrocious defensive player. Yeah, I just...
0: This one is one of those contracts that, like, I I, I don't think anyone thought this was good. Like, even, like, the most diehard eye test truthers were kind of like, ooh, that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I saw anybody be like, this was really good.
0: No, there was one dude on Twitter, and there's always one dude on Twitter, and he had eight followers with an egg emoji, so.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right
0: yeah those people aren't worth your time to listen to and if you're spending your time listening to them do something better yep um two more signings to get to and uh, we'll, we'll get to the one uh there, there's colorado obviously has made a bunch of moves but i want to get to dallas first quick uh because the dallas stars are a team that we talked about two or three weeks ago uh, maybe even a month ago now on this podcast and when we were doing our early trade deadline preview, our big thing with them was, wow, they could really effectively kickstart a rebuild here by trading uh, Pavelski, by trading Radulov, probably would need to retain, but you could still get something for him. Uh, You could probably get a haul for Klingberg, and Braden Holtby's playing out of his mind as well. Well, the Dallas Stars are going on a bit of a PDO bender here and are now secured themselves a playoff spot. And in the classic NHL fashion, losing in round one with the slight chance of going to round two is much more important than anything you could do five, six, seven years in the future. So they are not selling. They have re-signed Joe Pavelski to a one-year deal with $5.5 million and incentives to get him up to six, I believe or maybe it's five to incentive to get up to 5.5. I can't remember. Um, and it sounds like they are not trading John Klingberg anymore. Um, and part of that is because unfortunately, Miro Heiskanen, um came down with an injury. So I don't really know what to say here. A- and I've already seen Pierre Lebrun, Pierre Lebrun say it doesn't really make, uh, make much sense Uh them to trade Holpi, in his eyes it's like yes it, it still absolutely does and by the way uh heiskanen is out with mono so it's a very serious thing obviously Uh, you know wish him well in his recovery but to me like that just screams that you should be selling
1: yeah like that would be the perfect time to do it also aren't they ninth in the west right now um Let's By see. points percentage, they're in, but they'd have to be ahead of the Golden Knights to make it in, which seems like a losing gamble.
0: Yeah, and I just say the Predators have really jumped ahead of them too because now the Predators are all of a sudden five points ahead with even though they've played two more games. But yeah, like it's not like they're a lock for playoffs or anything. It's them, the Predators, and the Golden Knights that are all sitting around. like, And I think the Oilers are around like 60% as well. So one of those teams are going to miss, and my money would be on Dallas probably.
1: Yep. Well, Dallas, pretty easy heuristic. They've been the worst at scoring more goals than they allow. They have the worst goal differential of all those teams. Um, yeah, they're rocking a plus one. Yeah, like you don't even need any, you don't need like Dom's game score model to really flesh it out. Like they've just been worse at scoring more goals than they allow. Easy.
0: Yeah. And like, Man, I I just I genuinely don't understand. And like people are so committed to this idea that this is the right choice. It's like this team isn't that
1: good. They're the ninth best
0: team in the West. I think that's like exactly what we kind of said that we expected
1: them to be heading in. Yep, they're so beautifully fine. Yeah, like they have they have some good players, but
0: they're not what's the best case scenario for this team? They catch. No, you know what? The best case scenario is probably not catching a heater and passing both the wild and predators because I probably, uh, maybe it is. I'd rather face the blues than the flames. But I was like, they're what? Like 50 50 with the blues, maybe?
1: They might even not be favored? Yeah. Now, some of the goal stuff will favor the Blues probably more than it should because the Blues have been on an absolute freaking shooting heater. But, like, I'd still guess the Blues are at least 55-45 in a series with the Stars.
0: And then if you manage to get past them, the Stars are cannot be better than, what, 70-30 against the Avalanche?
1: Maybe, probably even worse than that. Be I'd honest. be surprised if they're 70 30. I think it would 70... look like Leafs Montreal last year because the abs are better than the Leafs, but the Stars are better than the Habs kind of thing.
0: I would put them 70 30 against like the Flames. Yep. And the abs yeah, awesome. are still a solid step ahead of the Flames. You know, nothing against
1: yep. Calgary. It's just this Avs team is good. Yeah. Colorado's something completely different than everyone else in the league at the moment. But like,
0: so if that's the best case scenario we are given the the Stars fans are immediately going to be like wow well, what were the odds in the 2019 run when they upset the Abs?" it's like hey i don't think that avs team was as good as this one this is like and like last year was a unreal avalanche team they might even be better this year i'm not quite sold on it but they're definitely not much worse and the, both these teams have been better than the 2019 one and it's just like if you really want to tempt fate that the Abs are going to have to use uh um, Michael Hutchinson in that again is their fourth string goalie. Go for it, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know what it is, whether this abs team is better or not, it will be um, just pure hindsight. If they go farther in the playoffs, everybody's going to be like, "Wow, it was pretty clear. They were different all along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: if they don't go farther, it'll be something fundamentally broke last year or some shit like that.
0: To be fair, if they go further this year, I think one, thing you could probably pretty easily point to as well. Nazem Khadrid, it, assuming that's Khadri, assuming Nazem Kadri doesn't get himself kicked out of the playoffs, but yeah, true. But still, um, yeah, it's just, I, to me, I don't understand like the, the dope of contract in a vacuum is really good. And honestly, any cup contending team signing this, this offseason, I'd be like, that's a phenomenal signing one year, you know, the past two years, he has crushed that value out of the park. And, If it backfires on you, so what? It's one year at 5.5 million, right? But for them, it's just like, you could have gotten a first and a prospect probably for Pavelski. And now you're locking yourself into this core for at least another year. I don't get
1: it. Yeah. Oh, like, tell me you're Boston. You don't give up a first and a good to decent prospect for this without even blinking. Yeah, 100%. Like you'd, and your fans are pumped when you do that deal and rightfully so yeah like you're yeah. declared
0: the deadline winners or whatever yep hell if you're the like, avalanche you do this you
1: you tell dallas to retain half and and, and you do that right like yep you're carolina you do like pretty much every team does it save even the leafs maybe not because they have two right wingers already or whatever but like pretty much every team would be thrilled to have this guy for a first. Yeah. And one of their better prospects, I bet you as well.
0: Yep. So, and then on top of it, like the Pavelski thing is bad in itself, but then now you're, you've convinced yourself because you're keeping Pavelski, you need to double down on keeping John Klingberg and probably Braden Holtby. Yep. Which, so now you've gone from the opportunity cost of probably having two first a couple good prospects and i bet you hope he would have brought in a second or a third to none of that for what for pride
1: or some shit.
0: <laughs> for a seven <laughs> percent chance at making the conference finals like yep what do you, I'm, I'm checking i'm looking up money puck right now because i want to see what their odds are here take a guess i don't know if you've looked at them or not but what do you think they're make playoffs? We'll start with that. A team that has decided they are gonna forego what would probably automatically be two first round picks, two really good prospects and a second or a third. What do you think that that percentage should probably be 90% plus, right? And there's a lot of teams that are 90%
1: plus. What do you think yep. their playoff odds are at right now? 30.
0: Higher than that, they are above 50, what?
1: Okay. Uh, 55 or 60? 63
0: so they have about a two and three chance so right now uh and by the way like when i say playoffs are pretty close to lock in uh here are the teams that are 100 percent, according so like ninety-nine point nine 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 nine, right florida colorado carolina and tampa toronto and calgary are toronto's at 99.99 calgary's at <laughs> 99.98 pittsburgh's at 99.96 boston's at 99.90 New York is at 99 on the dot. St. Louis and Minnesota and Washington and L.A. are all at 96 to 98%. Edmonton is at 81%. Nashville's at 77. Then you have Dallas at 63 and Vegas at 54 with Vancouver at 18 for that last uh, Western spot, basically. What do you think their odds are to make the second round? So winning a round. So they're, uh,
1: now it'll be like 27 or or some, something like that, 27% chance. Close, 22.3. Huh, that was pretty good.
0: So they have in between, you know, like a 1 in five, 4, 1 in 5 chance to just win a singular round. To make it to the third round, it is at 8.7. So it's under a 1 in 10 chance that they win two rounds, which is so we're already getting the point of like, this probably won't happen. To make yep. the Stanley Cup final, the money Puck has them at 3% and to win, it's 1%. Why are you foregoing a 1% chance? I know the saying is, get in the playoffs and anything can happen. But that is
1: just not realistic. Also, it's it's worth noting that save maybe the Blues. Like There hasn't been that many Cup winners that we've been like, hmm, well, that was shocking.
0: And even, like, the Blues, like, Like, they were on a roll heading into those playoffs.
1: Yeah, they at least started bad, though.
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah, like, that's true. Like, if you looked in, like, December or whatever, you would have been, like, that's shocking. Yeah. But even the St. Louis team, by the trade deadline, were starting to, like, chug, and people were like, oh, yeah, like, if this team actually plays like that, they will be good. They just need to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, other than that, when was the last time when you were, like, Legitimately stunned that a team won the cup.
1: Yeah. And the next the next best would be that uh that LA team. But if you just knew where to look, it was very obvious they were really fucking good.
0: Yeah, and the only other thing remotely close, I would say, was the year Washington won it. And Washington had just come off a decade of being the cup favorites.
1: Yeah, Washington so the- had maybe the best decade ever in terms of right <laughs> Well, not ever, but like really, well, I mean, really they, high up there
0: in the cap era for sure, right? Like yeah. And and the reason... With all the they, core
1: still there from that decade.
0: Yeah, the reason it was surprising they won was because it was the year we thought they would go from cup favorites to like the sixth favorite team. And that's the year they finally won, right? Like not the 15th or 16th favorite team, which I would argue Dallas is now.
1: Yep. Well, if you said 1%, that's what Montreal was uh, going into the playoffs last year. So yeah. their marred originally better than Montreal I guess cuz they have the same odds before they've secured playoffs but still
0: you got to explain this one i mean money puck has colorado as the seventh most likely
1: eighth most likely team to win the cup that cannot Jesus be right right christ that's got to be new, like a code error
0: they have minnesota
1: over them it looks uh, like they actually, really like
0: Minnesota as a team,
1: though.
0: It goes second. Florida, Calgary, Minnesota, Toronto, Tampa, LA, Boston, Colorado, then Pittsburgh, That's... Carolina. Like, I get some. And to, to be fair, like, obviously, Money Puck is not the be all end all. And they have very aggressive modeling, I find sometimes.
1: I wonder if uh, it's shooting. Yeah, it looks like I, Minnesota's outperform their XG a little more. And I know they love their shooting model.
0: Yeah, that, that wouldn't shock me at all. But um, like the, the point still stands, though, that just like I bet you if you looked at any model, Dallas doesn't have much more than a seven or eight percent chance to make the third conference finals.
1: Yeah, and like you can't reasonably tell me that people in that building think they're like the top two team in the West.
0: No. I don't think – I would laugh if you said they thought they were a top-two team in their own division. Yeah. Like, Minnesota's clearly <laughs> better than them, as much as I don't think Minnesota should be third favorite for the
1: Cup. Yeah, like, Minnesota's a good but not great team. Yeah, who's Which, been struggling.
0: Which, like, Dallas is, I think, a step – I think Dallas is just, like, a fine team. Yep. Right? Like, and I just – I don't know. To me, it's less about like if this was a team that you if you were gonna get just a couple second round picks or whatever, or like even if the Joe Pavelski or whatever, like if you have a core that is just full of 24-year-olds or 20 21-year-olds, you know, like kind of like what when the Leafs let JVR and Bozak and them walk. If your team was like that, I would understand it a little more just to be like, hey, let's get the experience or whatever. You're an aging team that, and for what it's worked too, like that comparison doesn't even work because I don't think the Leafs were getting a first for Tyler Bozak.
1: No, they were definitely not. Not right? even so, close, to be honest.
0: When the opportunity cost is this high, I just, I don't think you can justify it. Like not you need no, to win the, the even a magical run to the conference final, I think doesn't justify not selling at this deadline.
1: Well, that's the worst part too. Like, it all just be hindsight if it does happen. But like at the time, we we know they're not that good. They can still lock their way in. Goalies are weird and all that stuff. But like, still doesn't make it a good decision.
0: No. And so, yeah, I I don't know. Like, the, I, I, for, I I don't really I don't feel bad. But like, the I don't have much more to say about the Pavelski contract because it's a good contract and they should be selling if he plays this well again next year. He should be, they should be selling on it again. Yep. But they should have sold on it this year is all I can really say. Like, I just, I genuinely do not understand it. 100%. Um, let's go to a team quickly. We'll, we'll start with the one trade. Uh, Colorado has made a ton of moves. So we're going to be spending a decent amount of podcast on them, obviously. Uh, but let's go to a team that is kind of looking like they're committing to, uh, to selling, which were, was good because we weren't sure. And to be fair, like there might not be, you know, maybe they don't sell as much more, but the Anaheim Ducks, have, uh, they made the first big trade of the deadline. Josh Manson goes to Colorado. They don't get a first round pick, which is I uh, was surprising to me. I don't know about you. I, I thought it was a little was surprising.
1: Really shocked at this.
0: And you know, this is kind of something I touched on a couple of weeks ago when we were doing our previews. I Charat I, was the name I mentioned that I don't know if he's going to get a first because I just said, look at how many defensemen there are available. You know, we thought Klingberg was going to be available. Uh, And again, like, it's not a given that Klingberg isn't available, but Chris Johnson was on overdrive uh, yesterday and had said he thinks it's much more likely he doesn't get moved now than he does. So, um, but like Manson, uh, I still think they're probably going to try and sell Lindholm here for the ducks. Um, You know, like there's just a, there's a bunch of names that are just kind of meh available and not all of them are going to go for first, but uh, yeah, Josh Manson goes to the abs 50% retained, uh for Drew Hellison and a second round pick in 2023. Um I don't mind it from either side. Like uh, we'll we'll talk about more from the AVS in a second. Uh for Anaheim again, I was surprised they couldn't get the first, but to me, this kind of signals that it might be more of a buyer's market than we thought. And if this is you know, if other moves are within this realm and this is just the best they could do, I still think it was a fine move because this is better than doubling down and re-signing Josh Manson
1: yeah 100 it's easy to criticize buyers because you're always allowed to not do anything and there's plenty of other options out there but for the sellers like it's tough for us to know but we have to assume that's just what the market was and yeah. if that's just what the market was you did something smarter than letting them walk like you said or resigning them i mean or letting them walk also true Two for nothing uh so if that's what the market was I guess that's what it was and good for you to get some assets back for a guy who let's be honest, wasn't that good the previous two years.
0: Yeah. And that's a big thing too, right? Now, like if we go and see a bunch of just no name guys get first round picks or better prospects or whatever, you could probably step back and go, okay, well maybe you shouldn't have uh, pulled the trigger so quickly on selling this guy, but uh, I I would just kind of be surprised. I think at this point, if that's the case, right? So um, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I thought it was a a good move from Anaheim, and I think that probably means they will try and move Raquel, and again, I wouldn't be shocked if they move Lindholm too, and and I think that's good, because they're a team that is, you know, they're kind of hoping they're on the way out of their rebuild, but they definitely still need a piece or two, and loading up on assets is kind of how you do that, and I'll be really curious if Anaheim can find a team I think what they Anaheim is in a real interesting position this year, because there's so many teams that are so close to the cap. Like Vegas is a great example. Now I don't know what contract Vegas would really love to get rid of, but if there maybe a data knob actually, but now, now I look at it, but like, and I, I've linked these two together, but Anaheim has $56 million in deadline cap space and uh 11 million in actual cap space for the offseason already. So they could take on a bad contract or two take an asset with that and and be better on it. Um, Now they have a bunch of guys on IR right now, but still like they're they're in a pretty good spot cap wise, even for next year where I think they, and and if they move Raquel and uh, Lindholm, there's another eight and a half million dollars out as well. So I think I would be really interested to see if Anaheim either does the thing where they take a bad contract on or pulls the um, who is the third team in the, Felino trade last year that just ate salary.
1: Oh, I forget. I know the Leafs did it in a Robert San Jose. It was
0: San Jose a while ago. San Jose ate part of uh, Nick Felino's salary last year. I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Or maybe it was Riddich's, uh, whoever. The Leafs had a three, you know, it was San Jose because that that was where the extra fourth came in. Um, But like, I could see, like, if Anaheim does that for a team, like, Let's say the Avs, for example, they go if they want to go big game hunting with Clutcharoo, and we'll get to them making space in a second. But if they're like a million dollars off or whatever, Anaheim could be like, oh, if you throw in a fourth round pick or whatever, we'll eat that million dollars on our cap for this year.
1: Yeah, that'd be perfect.
0: And then suddenly you have a more space freedom, or like right, suddenly you have just a free asset for the space you're not going to use anyway. So, um, yeah, I think Anaheim has the real potential to be the quote unquote deadline winners this year if they just commit to selling their big pieces. Uh, I would assume Raquel will probably, I'm second guessing the mark. I Raquel will definitely get a second in a prospect. I could see Raquel still getting a first, even though he has not been very good, but that didn't stop Josh Manson. Uh, I still think Lindholm could get a first, but hockey brain people might like Manson more than Lindholm too. So, But I, they'll easily get like two more seconds out of this.
1: Yeah, 100%, at least a few seconds. I can't believe... I think you just said hockey brain like Manson seems like the exact kind of thing that teams just so aggressively overvalue. I cannot believe that it was not a a ridiculous market for him. Yeah.
0: And especially because like, like it's Colorado's second. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're good enough. Third. (laughs)
0: Literally like this and it's next year. So maybe you're betting that Colorado looks a little worse next year, but like Best case scenario, you're getting what? Like the 50th pick if they flame out in the second round?
1: Yeah. Like there's a maybe, I don't know the exact odds. There's probably a close to a 50% chance you're getting a pick that was deemed a third rounder like two years ago or three (laughs) years ago in the pre-Vegas Seattle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, like, and again, like our uh, picks and it's not like there's a massive difference between 40 and 60 or whatever, but it's just one of those things where it's like, we know teens value that. Yeah. So, 100%. yeah, I was surprised that, uh, and hey Housen's supposed to be a pretty good defensive prospect as well? It's not like they, they got absolutely nothing on that end, but he's already 20 years old too. So it's not like he's this fresh 18 year old that they just took or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised that the market was this, uh, this low on them, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they uh, looks more like a panic move than anything else from Anaheim, or if this is just – it's going to be a buyer's market. and Some guys we thought would fetch a haul are going to go for super cheap. But uh, on Colorado's end of things, I'm curious to get your take on this. Did you think – obviously, we're not as high on Josh Manson as everyone. I think you might even be a little lower on it. Like his stats have – he's had a rough year. I and mean, he didn't have a great year last year either, but he's been bad this year. Like I, There's no –
1: hiding around that yeah it's actually kind of weird it reminds me of like the old like wheeler stuff like we're not that far removed from like manson back when i was making player models was like a spreadsheet hero like there was a time when stats people were absolutely absurdly high on him relative to the rest of the league and that is not the case anymore. And that hasn't been the case for about three or four years. So it's kind of a tough one to evaluate, given that he used to be really good and that Colorado's a really smart team. I can't say that I'd be that shocked if he goes there and does really well, especially in a reduced role. But I also can't imagine that you couldn't have done this really cheaply, given what he's provided the past few years. Like, what does he do well? Pre- prevent zone uh zone entries like you can get a guy to prevent zone entries really cheap for you if that's what you want so what martin marinson was always really good at or is that what you're really bad at that is exactly what martin marinson was always good at because he was like six foot sticks so he could just wave a nine foot tall hockey stick and never <laughs> let anybody in the zone
0: yeah and like and so i i agree with that i, I think that it'll be one of those classic cases where like He might have to be the number five guy on this team. And I wouldn't be surprised to see his uh, results improve drastically if that's the case. That being said, obviously they didn't pay top tier dollar for it, but it's not a cheap acquisition for a number five that you probably could have found in some random depth defenseman from the Seattle Kraken or whatever.
1: Exactly. Like, it's not like they paid a first or anything huge, but the fact that Anaheim accepted this trade does also imply that you were willing to give up more than anyone else in the league for him.
0: It kind of reminds me of the David Savard trade
1: from last year with Tampa. That's a very good comparable. (laughs) It's only going to be considered a good trade if you literally win the cup and nothing else, which means it's a stupid trade.
0: Yeah. Like the, the, The David Savard trade was a bad trade for Tampa. It still was, even though, you know, no one complains about it. No one should complain about it because they won the cup. But if you're looking at that objectively, he was like a net negative when they were like, they were a net negative when he was on the ice for that team during the playoff run. The one other thing I will say, and again, like it just comes back to opportunity costs, I think, because you could still do the same thing with a Seattle defenseman. But getting McDermott and Jack Johnson out of the lineup full time is probably a significant plus.
1: A hundred percent, but that does counter one of the other points I've seen online, which is that Colorado's a defensive factory. So you're an idiot if you think this is a dumb move. Uh, Jack Johnson's still been Jack Johnson there. Even a good statistical comparable for Josh Manson was great defensive defenseman Ryan Murray. He's been <laughs> kind of bad in Colorado too. Like they don't just magically make everyone good.
0: I was just about to say Ryan Murray's another one that we love that move in the offseason, and he's just been like a replacement level player.
1: Which yeah, he's been that pretty bl- mediocre.
0: On that blue line is fine. Like when you have Kale McCarr, Samuel Gerard, Devon Taves, and you know you hope Bowen Byron, who hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. Like you probably don't need much more in replacement level on your bottom pair, but you're giving up a lot of assets to to do that, right? Like yeah, there are another chance they don't seem to want to move him because they're the leader or whatever, but Eric Johnson makes 6 million dollars this year and next. Like that feels yeah, like a contract that would be they a huge move. They have to move that deal, right? And it'll probably be a summer thing, but like even right now. So they obviously they made another move uh Tyson Yost for Nico Sturm or Sturm, sorry. Uh that is purely a cap thing. Stern makes 725K, Yoast makes 2 million. So they freed up another. So they're they're at a projected 2.997 mil in deadline cap space, basically $3 million in deadline cap space, which means if they want to go get someone like Claude Giroux, they could have Philly retain four, flip them to someone else, have them retain two, and they can fit Claude Giroux and probably another depth piece if they really wanted it still. So they can go and add things. Well, guess what? You would almost you wouldn't need Claude Giroux to be retained if you can just move Eric Johnson's salary off your team. But I don't know who's taking that at the deadline. Again, like I, if you're Anaheim, this that seems like the perfect deal to take. Like, yeah, absolutely. I don't know what you would get for an asset because I would be asking for probably <laughs> more than a third round pick, which is the closest thing that Colorado has. Because this is the other thing too. Like, I don't you'd have to identify realize...
1: a prospect you like
0: you would yeah they'd have to really be shooting for uh justin Barron, probably they're yeah. their first draft, like, draft
1: pick yeah he was one i was looking at martin Kout, and like a third or something is another i think if you fell in love with his priors or whatever but you'd have to yeah. get creative in the process john
0: fooney maybe like if you if you liked him or something like that but um yeah like that, that like. Colorado, I don't think that people kind of realize how all in they need to be this off this season. Because if it like they're, uh, the thought is they're gonna probably still go for Claude Giroux. Now they've been linked to other forwards too. So, but if they go with Claude Giroux, I'd imagine their first
1: next year is probably gone, right? Oh, easily.
0: So that would mean their first this year is gone because that was traded away for Kemper.
1: Uh their Claude second. Giroux. This- just um, now that pavelski's gone he's the best rental on the market by a ridiculously wide margin correct
0: i think so yes
1: i'm Unless trying I'm to th- missing somebody
0: I, i'm trying to do a quick thing in my head but i would assume so yeah like let me just like i think uh,
1: pavelski was the only one in that stratosphere
0: maybe if like like jeru's sh- yeah, like probably better in forsberg still but like forsberg might be up there with them
1: yeah, Force Brazil is the first line player. Juru's a good one though. Yeah, He's kind of one.
0: And then I guess if, like Brock Besser, Thomas Hurdle. Thomas Hurdle might be up there too.
1: Hurdle, yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, like those and are Besser. I wouldn't include him. I'd be really shocked if Besser gets moved. But
0: hurdles. A but good even one. like Hurdle, you know, and J T. Miller's the other name I'll throw in there too. Um, but that J T. Miller also has an extra year on his contract, so that would be why he would get so much value, I think. But. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Even, like, Hurdle, like, people love Giroux for his leadership and all that stuff, right? Like, so I think he would – he probably even – like, we talk about hockey brain. He would probably get even more inflated value. But, yeah, like, Colorado doesn't have their first or second this year. They don't have their fourth this year. They don't have their second next year. They don't have their third in 2024 already. So if they trade away their first next year for Claude Giroux, like, they have their third this year, their third next year, their fifth, sixth, and seventh in both those drafts, and that's it.
1: Yeah. Like they're so, they're very much all in, which is smart if you look at their contract structure.
0: Yeah, I mean, like they're they're gonna again, like they have to get rid of Eric Johnson this off season because Andre Burakovsky's up now. I don't know if he's gonna get a raise on his four point nine, but Nazem kadri's up. He's gonna be very much looking for a raise on his five.
1: Yeah,
0: kadri has got to be gone. Natushkin's up. He's gonna be probably looking for a raise on his two point five. Like I could see some team easily giving him three or four for a couple yeah. years too, right? Like, um then on the defensive side of things, like they're gonna let, have to let go both Murray and Manson. And you know, like that is still two bottom pair to like, that's still their five and six. They're gonna have to find, replace somewhere, um, yep. you know? So, and anyway, again- Kepper's gone. Kepper, yeah, Kepper. I mean, they probably gotta re-sign Kepper, right? Like they can't go with Frank Who's as their starter. <laughs> Might have so, yeah, like so. I I, I would assume that if they trade Johnson, they probably take about half of that and give Kemper like a six, $6.5 $6. million deal. But
1: still, yeah, like, that.
0: Yeah, like things are going to get tight for this team and very quickly because, you know, you think things might get a little easier after that, uh, after next offseason? Oh, no, this guy called Nathan McKinnon's up in 2023,
1: 24. Yeah, McKinnon deletes Burakoski and Natushkin or something like that equivalent yeah. off this current team obviously yeah. i don't know if I either that will still be there but yeah
0: yeah exactly so yeah things are going to get uh, tight for this team real quick so this is definitely the the best chance and i would argue too like obviously we don't know how teams are going to look in the future but like the west is very wide open like this is probably going to be one of the times the west
1: is the easiest to win The west is very wide open it doesn't look like anybody's getting hugely better anytime soon like you said weird shit can happen and honestly say arizona gets chain right this year and mitchkov next year something that changes a lot but as of right now
0: yeah their division and right. definitely is going to stay weak i could see the pacific getting pretty good in a year or two at least in terms of like if your team's taking a significant step back if you're the abs yeah because like assuming the flames keep the band together they'll just be at least be a good team again next year yeah Uh, the kings are looking solid and i would assume they'll probably look to add again in the off season the oilers are the oilers the golden knights are on the worst end of pdo basically you can get yeah and like injury luck right like there's no reason a big threat to do what the kings did this year exactly and like even even the canucks i think could add a piece to be better if they if they do the right thing now that is a big if right but if you told me in two to three years, the Canucks at least look much more respectable because they took an off season, hit on a couple draft picks and suddenly in two or three years, they look good again. Sure. I could believe that. Right. So I think this is probably the best year for the avalanche to just kind of go all
1: in. Yeah, absolutely. But there might not be a team that's good for like 10 more years. No. Shove your in. Yeah.
0: So the, the fact that they could add more is like gross. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned they have $3 million in cap space. They can definitely make uh, make some more moves already. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that, Pavel Fransu's contract? He signs basically an extension of his deal now. He got a two years, $2 years 2000000 per per. Um, his biggest thing has been health. He's been really good as a goalie when he can stay healthy. He just has not been able to stay healthy, and he's already 31.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize how old he was i thought he was like 24 yeah like he feels like that guy's been like 26 the whole time yeah but now he's 31 years old no it seems like a decent bet i mean obviously his health should scare the shit out of you but uh it's two million dollars so the floor is really low
0: yeah and like if people want to know how good he's been like obviously very small sample he played two games in 2018-19 but a 943 but then in 2019-20 at 34 games but a 923 uh sorry, 943 in the two games. He put up a 923 last, or 2019-20, and then he didn't play at all last year, and then this year he's played 14 games, put up a 920, and I'm pretty sure his underlying numbers are decent as well. I don't think they're, like, amazing or anything like that, but they're good, right? Like, he's a, he's a, if he's your backup, you are in very good position, but, and he can, he's the type of guy where, like, again, like, if he could get some health, I'm sure he could be a tandem guy, but He just has not shown he can stay healthy at all.
1: Reminds me of a modern-day Ranta. I think (laughs) a little less extreme. Ranta had some, like, 40-game seasons at least, but, like, similar kind of concept. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um,
0: I think that is the biggest moves from the past week, correct? I think so. What did you think of um, Phil Kessel playing one shift? and then going back to Arizona for the birth of his kid to keep the Iron
1: streak alive. That was kind of cool. It was cool they let him do that, especially when you're the Coyotes.
0: Yeah, it kind of just, like, needed that win. Also, so the the league, for some reason, on Monday night, had Ottawa versus Arizona as the only game on. (laughs) Phil Kessel looked like a dude playing beer league when it's like, he mistakenly comes out and plays against all the high school kids. He <laughs> was just There was a shift where he caught up there for like two and a half minutes. And he was just doing circles in his own head. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen.
1: I love Phil.
0: He's so funny. I like, I, he's one of the, you know how like every fan base convinces himself that they're going to trade away a guy and then he's going to resign there in the off season. Yeah. If Phil wants to go win a cup, I could see them training him and him just
1: going back and getting the off season. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Just chill there. He doesn't really, he's got his cups. This is yeah. Like I could even super serious.
0: I would say if they don't want to move him and he doesn't want to move, I could see them just staying there. This, you know, like it kind of, people just assumed he might be, he'll be on the move this deadline. But like if people are only offering like a third or a fourth round pick, I could absolutely see Arizona being like, eh, you're a good enough guy to have around the locker room, and like Phil knows he's going to have a spot on this Arizona roster for a number of years. And it sounds like the Iron Man streak—like if he's potentially risking the missing the birth of his first child, the Iron Man streak is clearly important to him. I don't think he's
1: retiring after this year or anything like that. No, I wouldn't think he'd retire. So, he's, like, because he's still putting up points. No, yeah, like it's not, not like he's whatever, but...
0: no, but he's still just throwing up like. I think he's on pace for what, like twenty something goals and forty something points.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Just Let me, just being check, but
0: yeah, exactly. He's got thirty six points and fifty nine. Definitely not as many. He's got thirty assists, only six goals this year. But like thirty six points and fifty nine games is nothing to sneeze at.
1: Yeah, still rosterable. Yeah, fifty. That that's easy. a fifty point never, pace. But...
0: Yeah, but so yeah. I think it. It really depends just how much like how much willingness he has to go win a cup like if he wants to go chase a cup there will be suitors for him and i'm sure he will get moved but yep, if somebody with a hole
1: on their power play too and all that yeah exactly but if he is
0: okay and just wants to live life in the desert where let's face it you don't have to put up with much media you know i'm sure that is a great way to spend when you especially with a newborn son um I could absolutely see him just signing or re-signing, you know, one to two year deals in Arizona for the next couple of years too. So.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. There was
0: one other thing I wanted to get to, but I cannot remember. Oh, Vegas. This is the other thing. So Vegas is like not a lock for the playoffs
1: at all. Yeah, they're below. I saw them go below 80 in Micah's model. He was tweeting about
0: they're 52 in uh money puck, and I want to say they're close to 60 at Dobbs. And like the lowest of the playoff team, like Dallas has a higher one, I think, in DOMS as well. I'm I'm just trying to double check that right now, quick. But um, yeah, like they and <laughs> Leonard just went back on the IR.
1: Yeah, it would be kind of nuts if they missed the playoffs.
0: It would be a disaster. Because this is another team, like, they're going to be good next year, but this is a team that, you know, is just doing everything they can to stay under the cap right now, too. They're going to have to change that in the offseason, I would assume, as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I would think so. Unless they're something I'm completely missing, but. I think
0: uh, Martinez might be up this year, but. But even, he, like, that's a roster place you have to get like replaced right like
1: yeah oh, man, yeah, like, you uh,
0: and they're yeah like they're loaded with rfa like they're gonna have to sign they're either gonna have to get rid of or sign nick Hag.
1: um that not actually that, be kind of expensive too yeah, like, that, but. Won't, that won't be
0: cheap but it'll, it'll be more than 791 he's making now
1: yep
0: uh now a couple of the other rfas they have nicholas Waz the other one um then a couple of the other guys are just guys they have up here but never mind Martinez got two more years that is that's a contract they're gonna to have to try and look to move off of this summer. But Brett How they just re-signed him, didn't they? I think they just gave him a four year, three or four year deal of 5.25. Now that you say Yeah. That. Yes, they yeah, they they totally did. Uh Riley Smith is up this year. He'll be gone. So there's five million. Matthias Janmark's probably gone. There's two million, but like those are very effective players that you need to figure out how to replace.
1: Yep. Yeah, so, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and again, I assume they're probably going to try and move off of Datadon's 5 million. So they're probably going to have some space to work with, but they're losing a good amount of actual NHL talent in the process, too. It would be a disaster if they missed the playoffs this year. Like, this is supposed to be there. And again, like you talk about to Colorado not having a better year to go in, in terms of how good the West is. Vegas is not going to have, there's no way you can convince me the Pacific is only going to get worse from here in terms of excluding Vegas.
1: Yeah. Yeah, imagine a poor Eichel too, a
0: fan of sucking. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I saw a couple tweets. It's like, well, are we sure just Eichel doesn't have the worst vibes ever? <laughs> poor Jack like, Eichel. Yeah, like uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, Dom's model, they're under 60%, just a tad below. Calgary's wow. almost 100. Edmonton's shot up to just under 80%. LA is about 75. Vegas is at about 59. Uh, in the central. Colorado, Minnesota and St. Louis are all well above 90. Nashville's just under 90 and Dallas is sitting at about 67% probably. It looks like. Yeah, so like they're in a dogfight here. That is uh that is for sure. It's um oh here sorry here's the exact percent. 66 for Dallas, 56 for uh um Vegas. Wow. Mhm. <laughs> It's uh, also anyone who had a Calgary playoff uh, division winner features looking pretty good because they're at
1: 98% to win that division. I should think I do. <laughs> I haven't opened pinnacle in a really long time, <laughs> but I think I do. The,
0: uh, the LA Kings have been an interesting story too. Like they're a lock for playoffs basically now. And they're like
1: actually kind of good too.
0: Yeah, like it's not like this is just – and the weirdest thing is they don't have great goaltending. Like Quick's at 907 and Pedersen's been a 900 goaltender.
1: Yeah, they've just been – they're like one of the best XG teams in the league. The classic Kings, they're back. True. Daryl Sutter's doing it elsewhere, but they're still fine.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it, it's an interesting race here. So um, it'll be interesting – Like. I will be very curious to see what the Kings do at the deadline. I don't think they should like go pure rental or anything, but they strike me as a team of like, they've been linked to Chitron a lot. And that makes a lot of sense, I think, for them. Yeah. They have the prospect pool to do it. Chitron fits their mold of like, he's a 25 year old defenseman. They could use some help on the blue line. And like, he's going to be there for a number of years, right? Like,
1: yeah, they have to think like smart long-term. Yeah, you, you can't be pushing all your chips
0: in for this year because it's just this isn't your year. Take this as like, oh, we're getting some experience and that's good. Yeah. So um other than that, I don't have a ton. Do you? Is there anything you want to touch on?
1: I don't think so. No, no I don't think so.
0: I don't think so either. Um, it'll be interested to see how much happens this coming week and how much teams actually wait. Uh, until the deadline, like until Monday of the deadline. Actually, yeah. Okay. No, you know what? We, we can't, we can't do this whole episode without uh picking your brain. Are you team Leafs
1: need to go get a goaltender? No, I don't think so. I think a lot of analysis is basically just assumed you can predict goaltending, which uh I would love it if you could, but uh you can't. <laughs> can't do it very well. And that sucks, but sometimes you have to ride out like Jack Campbell started the year. Awesome. And then he's been playing hurt.
0: Yeah. I, I think if they were to make a move for goalie, it would have to be the right situation of a team would, for whatever reason, be willing to take Murazic's contract. Yeah. Like, like Dallas, I Dallas won't do this, but like if there was a scenario where you could get like a Braden Holtby type to at least push Campbell, Because he doesn't have to. Like, if you can make a like a lateral move like that, that doesn't cost you much to at least upgrade a little on Morazic. I think it would be okay. But yeah, like I I, like Flurry. It's just a non-option to me. Also, like people want like Flurry has not been that good. Yeah, like, and I get it. Like he's got, but everyone keeps going. Well, he's got the playoff history. It's like (laughs) this is the weird. Like, yes, Flurry has had a couple good playoff runs. He's also had a couple where he has been disgustingly brutal.
1: Yeah, he's been awful many times over so
0: yeah like flurry to me is a non-starter if you could find i don't know like I, I don't think they'd be interested in bringing james reimer back but if you can make some deal where it's like you swap morazic for reimer depending on the cost i would be at least say that would make more sense to me but campbell's got to be your number one guy i think you like you just got to hope that getting campbell healthy gets him to at least closer to the
1: 940 goalie than the 890 goalie that he has been a hundred percent the thing too is like they have done studies on this i think i've probably mentioned this before either on the podcast or twitter it's like everybody knows the saying buy low sell high but people want to sell most when things are at their all-time lows and they want to buy most when things are at their all-time highs you're buying high selling low if you fuck around with the Leafs goaltending right now. Like you have two guys with good priors that are struggling at the moment. That is the opposite time you're supposed to go make huge changes when talking about a position as random as goaltending.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's like with Campbell, I feel even though we have such a, it's weird because we have a much larger history for Mrazic, but Mrazic just looks like he can't stop a peach ball in that right now. Like he's the most chaotic goaltender I've watched in a long time.
1: He is very chaotic.
0: He is just sliding back and forth everywhere.
1: Yeah. I kind of, it's, <laughs> it's tough to dislike a goalie via the eye test, but Brasic is very easy to dislike based on just watching him.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I, I think it's fair. Like, I, I think it's fair enough to say that they should probably stay put. They definitely can't go get a goalie right defenseman
1: and forward, but what are you well, do you? So. Cause that's the main thing, right? Like if the, Getting a goalie didn't prevent them from adding other things. I mean, sure, goaltending depth's good. Depth at every position is good. Uh, but the Leafs don't have that much space, and they don't have a – they've got a bunch of picks, actually, but in the future years, but they, they're they not exactly swimming in assets to just go light on fire. Well, uh, that's a- so there's a really high opportunity cost at whoever you trade for, assuming it's not like Tyler
0: Right. And like last year, they went and spent a third on David Riddich, who played like maybe one game for them. It's like,
1: like, do you want to repeat that? Probably not. Yeah,
0: like I get it. If he he had to play, it's better than Hutchinson. But like when you bow out in the first round again, you go, well, that looks like a giant like lighting on fire of an asset. So you can't really repeat that again.
1: Yeah, the Leafs are in an interesting problem where they have – so much depth elsewhere too like getting the david ritter equivalent as a forwarder or a defenseman doesn't help like they need to get somebody legitimately good or else it's a completely useless acquisition to them so you don't really want to be getting a third string goalie and prevent you from getting like a second line left winger or whatever
0: yeah exactly so as always thank you very much for listening you can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Uh, I've been doing lots of stuff at last word, rumors, predictions. Uh, we've got a ton of trade deadline stuff coming out. So go check that out. You can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66 and ActionNetwork.com. Thank you everyone so much for listening. And uh, yeah, our plan is to come back, I think, on next Monday, right after the deadline. And we'll recap what, uh, fingers crossed, it's a busy week. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you all next week.